Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Here's my old friend, Tom Welsh. He's a music aficionado. He runs one of the biggest music festivals in America, Big Ears, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Enjoy. All right, so, Tom, you have never taken acid? That is true. I have never taken acid. What, what powerful drugs have you taken? Do you, have you taken any powerful drugs? Because I, I feel like someone who's involved in a music festival as big as this should should probably have a past with exotic hallucinogens. Yeah. It's not on my CV, but you're you're generally probably correct, right? It's sort of a understanding or assumption or rite of passage. Like, oh, look at all these guys that are in this work. They've been dropping acid for years, whatever that sort of thing is. But yeah. no, I, I uh, from my California days, maybe looked the part. But yeah, when I for, when I first met you, you had very long hair. I did that to blend in. If yeah. you live in San Francisco of a certain age, a certain time, and yeah. you just sort of become part of the fabric with uh, guys walking around with long hair. I just felt did you have right long, You had long hair kind of the same time Metallica had long hair. And then, did you get the cut the same time as Metallica got the cut? I'd have to check when they went to the barbershop, but I have a vivid memory that you and I had not seen each other for a period of time. Somewhere in there, I shaved my head. And we saw each other again yeah. at an event, and you first thing out of your mouth was new Metallica. <laughs> I was flattered, confused, but uh, honored by that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who did it, it first. It was a compliment. It was a compliment. Let's just say, I don't know the Metallica guys, but they needed to do it, and I needed to do it too. Yeah, I think it was time. There comes a time in life for a haircut. So listen, tell me this. You do a festival where the podcast is about joy, right? right. Now, I've known you for some time, and one of the most joyful experiences that I think we had together was going to see a gentleman by the name of Iggy Pop. Yes. Remember going to see Iggy Pop? I do. All right. And we went to see Iggy and I loved watching because I liked the songs and I liked seeing Iggy being alive after his story. Yeah. And it, that, as of recording of this, he's still alive, which is kind of... Going strong. 
Well, it's it's an interesting thing given the the kind of the group of people he was running with back in the day. Because you're so heavily, I think of you as being someone who's heavily involved in music. But you're not a musician, are you? Well, I, I came up as a musician. Okay, like so, I, yeah, so yeah. tell me how that happened. Then. Imagine we're at a psychotherapy session, and it's the first session, mm-hmm. and you have to go through all the boring stuff about who you are and how you got to this point, and then we can get to the bit where you can't go to the bathroom without wearing a hat. Yeah, let this be my first psychotherapy session because... <laughs> You've uh, never been to one? No, I think this is it. Okay, well, so, just relax. Take a deep breath. You're in a safe place. And I'm tell safe, me... I'm sound. Tell me how how it began with you and music. Probably like many, many kids growing up in America and maybe in the suburbs, you are invited at a certain age to sign up to take music lessons in your school. Where was this? I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it was probably the, uh, I was about to say second grade, but it might be fourth grade where they take you into assembly and they pass out the sheet of instruments that you might select from to begin music lessons. Okay. Fourth grade, let's say. And uh, everybody went home with this eight and a half by 11. No, it was with the, the larger sheet with A to Z, all the instruments you could choose that the school offered. This sounds like a very well-equipped school. Was it a very... Well, like, we're talking about the 70s, right? Okay. When, when music was still in the schools. Right, there's no music there now, right? And people encouraged this. This is right. good for everybody. Good for students, good for kids. Band, all of this sorts of stuff. Marching bands and the rest. And I went home and immediately said, I want to play the drums. Ah, uh-huh. And my father said, pick something else. So I went back with the sheet into the teacher, whoever it was at the time, and I checked the box for saxophone. So I grew up as a saxophone player. I was in a family with three brothers and a sister. All of us played music together. Were your parents musical as well? Parents musical people too. Not professionally, but there was music in the house all the time. Was it a very stable environment? Did you have a stable uh, upbringing? It wasn't like an escape into music from the, the, the disruption of a wild family life or anything like that. These stories will wreck and bore and ruin all of your understandings of a life in music. But yes, it was a stable family that cared about each other still to this day we care about each other and communicate there was music in the household because it brought joy and fun and something to do the christmas carols was the big the brass everybody lined up with their brass instruments to blow the christmas carols out the front door into the neighborhood that may or may not have wished for that to happen (laughs) and it was just uh the rhythm of 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 a noisy family. That do you still play? This. Do you still play the saxophone? Uh, well, the the last vestiges of this are really still the Christmas holidays with this so you gang still do, of you people. You guys still do that every year? The Honk and Squeak Brass Chorale emerges <laughs> once a year and then submerges again. There's another generation of kids, uh, grandkids, nephews, and nieces that also picked this up. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a musical family that is not professionally musical. All right, so life takes its course, and you end up, when I met you, you were in San Francisco. That's right. At that point, you were running or managing bands, and yeah. and you had a music store. It wasn't really a store, was it? Somewhere? Well, I had moved to California uh, with a band, actually, to, to chase the American dream, which everybody right. knows is write one song and then become super famous, and you're off to... The, to forever and these days i think it's just an instagram post but it's, it's much yeah. the same thing this was the olden days when you actually had to have talent have some talent and record <laughs> something with people who knew what they were doing so we toughed that out for a period of time in the in the club scene and the west coast network up and down and decided after a long run that we really weren't getting along at all with each other and it was time to stop that um, so it's my experience of being in a band too inevitably you yeah come to that crossroads that I yeah. sh- maybe I should be doing something else. What I really wanted to do was to run a record company. I really love the idea of working with musicians, not necessarily being the guy in the middle of the stage jumping around, but to help others 
get their work moving, get their Now that's get that's an out. interesting thing. Why is that from the family background, do you think that they're creating the the opportunity for little Tom to choose the drums or the saxophone? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think in a very small way, as a musician and working in a band and trying to make something happen, uh, we never really went anywhere, but you get a feeling of what it's like to be on the stage, to have a room full of people looking at you and mm. waiting for you to do, I don't need to tell you, you know exactly what this is, or the, it, the exchange between audience and performer is a very peculiar human moment, in my opinion. Mm. Very few people probably want to do that, and even fewer still do it well. And I think ultimately as a performer, musician, artist, you have to know for yourself what am I doing here on this stage? What is it I'm trying to put across? What do I want to share with people? What do I want people to hear, hear me say? Because after all, you got a room full of people who are now looking at you saying, all right, we've given you our time and attention and maybe five bucks. Say it, do it. Did you have anything particular that you wanted to say? Yeah, I think at the time, as young musicians trying to express fun happiness, some great songs, and have a, yeah, I have a damn good time. It starts there, doesn't it? With I think with so. Music. I mean, I think I, when I was in bands, I think what I was trying to say was I'm available for casual sex. <laughs> this is baked in there. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But I don't think that's the way you send out. I think nowadays I'd be on an app or something and just, yeah. and just say it. The menu of things like I'm yeah. available for that. Barring that, I'll take all the drugs you're offering me. Yes. Barring that, I'll dip into the, the advance so we can spend it on beer money right now. Yes. Barring that, I need a ride home. All right. Someone. So you end up running this record company. Yes. Well, right. Okay. So we skipped a, a brief chapter there when it turned out that music as a performer was not ultimately going to be my direction and calling. I thought what I really want to do is work with other people. And I fall into, literally fall into a small active record company in San Francisco at the time called New Albion Records. Right. Which had been going for some time, charting trends and developments in modern composition and experimental classical music, this kind of in-between area with very much of a West Coast and Pacific Rim point of view. What we're talking about is music of the 20th century, including people like Lou Harrison, Terry Riley, Paulina Oliveros, John Adams, John Cage... And then onward from there, Carl Stone and, and many others. This had a huge impact on me musically, personally, professionally, ultimately. And, and is that the great. music you still listen to now? That and Do you many, have an many... eclectic mix of music you listen to? Because it all sounds sure. quite almost, I don't want to be mean, but it sounds a little academic also that is the taste of music. mean. Yes. <laughs> I don't mean it to be mean, it's... but it's, it is very grown up and, and deep cut, that, yeah. that yeah. type of music. Do you listen to ABBA or... Yes. Yeah, good, good. The new record really didn't move me the way I hoped to be moved, but then again... It's hard to stay can, on Sugar Mountain it's, forever. It's you, you, you can't. Try as we might. Yeah. The, the short answer to a good question you're, that in a common misconception, or there are no misconceptions in music. Everybody hears and understands and enjoys or doesn't enjoy to their own taste. This is all out there for everybody's consumption, delectation, and 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 take what you can from it. But I, I came to believe working in the area of modern composition, experimental fringes of electronic, improvised and beyond, these are all artists, perhaps living outside of the mainstream, but all of them are true and honest to the thing that they're trying to do. Nobody's trying to be academic or thumb in your eye on purpose in any way. These are people just expressing themselves quite differently 
as it happens, have maybe smaller audiences because this is rarefied, sometimes unusual, sometimes difficult to understand because the frame of reference is a little obscure or whatever it is. But I don't think for a second that any of those artists or any other artists are willfully trying to stay outside of your purview. Right. Take a while to get there. Right. Well, so let's think that now you run, you're the managing director of this giant music festival, which is yeah. one of the biggest in the world, right? Yes, you're flattering to say so, but that's um, maybe not quite right. I'm here with you in right. Knoxville, Tennessee, right. in the home of Big Ears, right. which is a festival that's been going for, this will be the 10th edition that happens in March of 2023. But I'm not being, it's not hyperbolic, really. I mean, it is a huge festival. It has right? had an enormous and beautiful impact in, I think, the American landscape of music festivals and culture. Is it huge? Probably 125 artists playing over four days in downtown Knoxville. It's intense. It's it's a rapturous deep dive into everything, all sorts of things all at one time. And see, that's what I wanted staff. to talk to you about. So do you have a, a populist thought in your head when you're booking acts? So if, I mean, presumably you're involved in the choosing of who's going to play and who's not going to play. And do you say, well, look, we've already got five guys who are five different acts who are playing obscure saxophone mathematic compositions do we have anyone who's you know doing covers of the partridge family or whatever people are listening to i don't know. you know a, a quick check suggests me we don't have that artist locked in just yet but maybe <laughs> i can can lean on you about that uh yes or no there, there's no calculation beyond let's just find and invite really great musicians without necessarily thinking first of the area or the genre or the, the old record bins, as we used to say, that, that they're in. What's interesting about Big Ears and unique about Big Ears, in my opinion, is that it's the only festival that I can think of in the U.S., or certainly the first, that wanted to be about just great music made by passionate great people, regardless of genre. So typically, you and I would go to this festival that does this certain thing or go off to another one that does a different certain thing and and the outcome of that is you have a good idea of what you're getting yourself into you know perhaps because you bought tickets because you know all of your artists are playing in that festival whether it's bluegrass classical heavy metal whatever but big ears is putting all of this in the same place at the same time so that you can move freely between one world of sound and another and it's just all just great as, as ellington duke ellington said beyond category. Why can't we have all of those things in one place at one time? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, 
even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So let's zero in a little bit more on the personal nature of what brings you joy in that. So clearly you get joy out of sharing different musical experiences with other people. Right. All right. Yeah. So that, that brings you joy professionally. Yeah. Right. So in your life, for example, obviously everyone has a point where there is an absence of joy. And, yeah. and then there, there has to be, hopefully at some point, a journey through joy to because i i feel that joy is an essential coping mechanism mm -hmm. and that if you lack it you can or if you lack the ability to manufacture it it can lead you into a dark path that certainly happened in my life is it is that something that's happened in yours in, in your world it's interesting you you refer to joy as a coping mechanism i'd like to hear more about that i don't see it that way i don't really? think i i'm trying to think of my own personal experiences of joy when it comes to me in a variety of different moments, sometimes unpredictable, mostly unpredictable, let's say, or I share it or try to generate it so that other people can have it in the context of music performances, festivals, and even simple as sharing records, this thing we used to do a lot. Yeah. But why is it a coping mechanism? I think, I think, I think when I say a coping mechanism is because I'm aware of having to manufacture it when I, when I have to, as opposed to, I suppose, when I don't have to, when I'm experiencing joy and don't, and I'm not in need of it, I'm not aware of having to make it. Mm -hmm. I think, I suppose, so at that point, I think maybe it's a coping mechanism. That, this is interesting to me because I, I, maybe I don't think of it quite this way. I'm thinking of examples where, or instances where joy comes, it arrives. And for me, this is a, yeah, it's a powerful emotional and physical sensation. It's a, like a wave that, that arrives. I didn't, summon it exactly i didn't so you have no power over it it comes kind of, uh, rolls in like the weather is that what you mean sometimes in circumstances i'm thinking of a concert experience where the, the room the sound the energy the people all converges in a moment where suddenly you're levitating and you're thinking wow i'm, I'm being swept up into something and i'm absolutely moving to a higher a different plane is this Can you joy? think of a of a concert where uh, any specific concert where that's occurred for you? Or yeah, are they many, too many? many or? Well, many, well, many, not not millions, but many. I think of um, well, there was one here at Big Ears actually a few years ago when uh, I wasn't paying close attention to the program. I just ran into the Bijou Theater to hear what was scheduled in that hour, and it was a an hour of the music of Alvin Lucier that had been organized, I think, by Stephen O'Malley from Sun. To, I was so late, I wasn't quite sure who put this whole thing together, but it was a beautiful hour of Alvin Lucier's music, which is often quiet, still droning, very slow to unfold. So it's, it's music of duration. You have to give it some time or else you're going to miss everything that's happening. Right. And it was beautiful. And then 
Alvin himself came out on the stage. At this point, he's an elderly man who has done incredible work for a long period of time. I didn't know he was there. And so there was that moment of... So who was Ooh. playing? It wasn't he wasn't playing his anything. final piece. Well, there was an ensemble of people playing right. his music, and the last piece was Alvin's masterwork, or the piece that that people know him for, called "I Am Sitting in a Room," which is a classic of. I'm not going to use the word academic that you're going to put out there because it's not. <laughs> it is a 20th century experimental. Let's say piece. deep deep cut. Okay, it's a little bit of a deep cut for a lot of depending people. where you're coming from. For other oh, people, it's right there okay, on the number one on the playlist. Okay, I got but, it. But uh, to to hear Alvin himself sitting in a chair and to begin his piece, which is a slowly evolving electronic music piece based on he says a long sentence, a paragraph that then goes into a kind of a a looping mechanism that begins to pull apart like taffy the sound texture of the words until the words themselves become slowly unrecognizable and it just turns into this cloud of sound. It's a conceptual piece, yes, but it's also quite moving, I think, uh, over a long, slow period of time. And the man himself was in this chair doing it and I, I didn't know that until it happened and I was I was taken away because of the serendipity of the moment. I was not sure that it was on the program. I didn't know it. It happened and I found myself floating away with with joy. Here I am experiencing this. Well, that's what's interesting to me about that. Uh, first of all, it you know it, it sounds like a very joyful experience. But what you point out is that the composer himself is there, and so it's a very kind of it's much more intimate than perhaps the composer has been dead for two hundred years and someone's playing a piece of music right. very well. Is it important then that the author of the piece be in the room for it to change the Tombra, the the feeling of the sensation, or can the right musician do that having not composed the piece? Because I think composition is important to you. I think authorship is important to you. Would I be right in saying that? Yes, that's a yes and. Because, right. of course, we have centuries worth of music now that we all enjoy and moves us, uh, for which we have no direct connection to the people who authored that music. Right. So this is of necessity. We have to be able to... There's something in that music that carries through the ages. Not to mention the millions of records that we have between us made by artists who we will never encounter, but we love that music too. I've never seen the master musicians of Chichuca, but these records are never too far away. Authorship or this question of maybe it's something extra, it's not essential, but here's the person who, who did this remarkable thing. That is always satisfying, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think, I think that's fair to say. I think I would be impressed by that too. If it was, you know, if it yeah. was a painter who had done an amazing painting and suddenly they're standing next to you saying, How, do you like it? I mean, yes, of course, it's, it's going to be a thing. People like to have that connection. Music, I think, is, a, is an interesting and strange experience though, because I think music speaks a language that, that none of us actually understand. But maybe that's because I'm not a true musician. You are a musician. Your audience knows this about you, right? Drummer? Yeah. Part-time yeah, shower yeah. singer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done bits and pieces, but... And certainly, I think, like, you know that Robin Williams and I were friendly, and Robin always had a jazz mentality about doing stand-up. He always, you know, kind of talked about doing stand-up as kind of a, as a jazz improvisation almost, mm. which I'm not a huge fan of... of it's wrong to say I'm not a huge fan of jazz because it's too big an area, but there's not a lot of jazz that moves me that I've heard. But I get the idea of improvisation and, and an instrument. But that's what interests me about what you do because 
at any point in big ears, do you pick up your saxophone and go and play? Absolutely not. Well, then why? I'm too busy working with this wonderful team of people to keep this thing rolling. But you're getting to an interesting point that I think about a lot, probably a lot of people do, but somehow in our world, let's say the Western contemporary commercial world that we are moving around in, the three-and-a-half-minute song became the central currency of music. Yeah. Beatles, before the Beatles, and, and onward. We sort of live in this commodification of music as the song. How did this come to be? Why is this crucial? Why is it interesting? Because after all, music and sound is boundless and enormously different than you and I sitting with our guitars, singing a song in the AAB format with a catchy eight-bar bridge. This mm. somehow became a, what do we say, a routine or the the backdrop against which people understand music. I bought a record, had 14 songs on it. I like three of them. I'm stuck with a whole album. It's got 14 songs. Well, 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 the argument used to be, wasn't it, that the album, like if you take an album, like uh, the classic argument for this is Dark Side of the Moon, right? Yes. Like in, in order to understand the music and the album, the order, order to appreciate the music and the album, you have to listen to the whole album, the way the artist constructed the album. But you've said something just a moment before this, which the secret is in what you said. There's something weird and mysterious and strange about music. Mm. The album, the record, the single, the wax cylinder, the CD, these are just containers for sound. So Pink Floyd, we love them. I have those. We have those records. We've shared those records. They're incredible documents of music and sound because the guys knew that they had a container they needed to manage and release into the world. That's it. So but you think the container dictates what the what the artist puts into it? Looks what, what has happened with the arrival of the internet. Now anybody can make any music available out to the world, the audience, no audience, doesn't matter, in any format that they like. Does that improve things? It seems like a very odd question. Yeah, I suppose, this, but this is the raging debate, mm. isn't it? It improves access is what it does because didn't we sort of imagine that when the internet arrived fully to average accessibility to people that somebody would step up and say all right we're going to have this musical experience through the internet which was heretofore totally unavailable to us when we had to put music onto a cd or a record or something like that i'm going to play a 35 hour something because i can do that now mm -hmm. and i'm sure people did this but it didn't quite come on maybe the way i imagined but i think that the container has always been too much dictating how we're going to understand and consume music, isn't it? Go to the record store, buy the record. Do you think it's also to do with the democracy of the internet? I don't think that music... Now, here's, here's a... Uh, let's discuss. Does music flourish in a democracy? Because I suspect it doesn't. Like, it, it doesn't... It's not like... How's that? Uh, well, we talk about authorship of music. You know, you can get collaborations, famous collaborations, Lennon McCartney, whatever it is, but there, it's not like there's ever, like... 20 people get together and or at least in my limited experience of of music i don't see it as being something which is collaborative to a point where everybody gets a, a say that was always my problem when i was in a band yeah you know yeah. that it's it's not a democracy there's no. someone is the dictator here one version of this is exactly right here is the music i want you all to play let's do it i need your hands to realize this vision so off we go mm. This is only one path, right? Because there's communal musical experiences, 
famously the drum circle. The drum circle, I was going to say. Let's get right to that. And what is that? This is essentially everybody's equal doing whatever their contribution may be. But yeah, any drum circle I've been part of, and thankfully I've kind of let that go a little bit in my life, but I used to take a drum and sit in a drum circle from time to time. I assume you've done the same. I, I think I have, yes. Don't you notice even in a drum circle that little power games start to come into the rhythm? Don't they come in? Isn't this in- inevitable in any relationship of you know, more than one person in a room, there's going to be a dynamic interaction. And I mean, I'm sort of, we're being a little facetious about drum circle, but it's it's true, isn't it? Yeah. This is This is, anybody's welcome to drift in, drift out. Contribute your bit, stay as long as you like. If someone absolutely despises what Ferguson over here is doing, they might give you an elbow or yeah. something like that. And so some of this starts to well, push I and pull. I always thought in. drum circles are a little bit like surfers. Like people think surfers are cool and relaxed, and not, but they're not. They're kind of angry and territorial and competitive. Yeah. And I think drum circles are a bit like that too. That people are like, no, I can actually do, you're messing up my 5 8 rhythm that, you know. Yeah. And I feel that. But that's a, that's a different type of music. Yeah. That's a, a music which the joy of a drum circle is participating in the drum circle, right? Music, we're talking about music making, I think. Right. So there's music that you might say, I got this new record and I'm going to share it with you. Check it out. Enjoy it. It's programmed, programmatic. There it is. Consume it or don't. But music making is something else, isn't it? It's about participation, drifting in and out, trying to push and pull with other musicians maybe to contribute an idea or find something interesting there. I think there are so many channels and avenues and outcomes that festivals like Big Ears are looking for for more. What, what else is on this horizon that we can hear and enjoy that we haven't had access to before? The sense of discovery and looking for something that I'm not already very familiar with. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. 
Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Is there ever a point when you hear a piece of music and, and like my father, whenever I was watching, when I was a kid, I would watch Top of the Pops was the was the TV show in Britain that yeah. kids watched. And whenever there was a, a musical act on that he disapproved of, he would say, that's not music. That's just a noise. And I would say, you know, Dad, that's kind of what music is. It's a noise. But yeah. is there ever a piece of music where you, have you ever heard music and you thought, I, I can't, I can't conceive why a human being would want to listen to that. Sure. There have been a couple of things that come across my radar that generally the, the idea of stopping your listening experience or stopping my listening experience has to do with maybe damage, volume, distortion, you mean too loud, power. That kind of uh, yeah, it's a combination of loud and frequencies and noise. What we talk about is noise. Now, this is a tricky area because... Some things that I might think are beautiful and mellifluous, you might say, are kind of noisy. So we all kind of live on the spectrum somewhere. What's tolerable, what's enjoyable, what, is, what sounds appealing in certain ways, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's possibly true. I think that's possibly, possibly true. true. It well, must be true. I don't want to give you the entire, the entire thing, but yeah, okay, <laughs> it's true. It's true. But listen, what about a world that had, let's imagine for a moment, a world that has no music in yeah. it at all. It's what inconceivable, is, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. It's totally inconceivable to me and maybe to others that as humans who like to engage and connect, to, to live the human life without music, it's just, it's just, it's beyond. It's beyond comprehension. I can't imagine it. And yet, it is so diverse, and like you say, everybody's a little bit different. Everybody, like a lot different. Yeah. Do you think that music, contemporary music, because you're very involved in it, in all its, well, well, in a slightly, academic is the wrong word, but, you, but you're in a cooler area of music than perhaps. It's not heavily corporate, although this office in which we sit feels a little corporate. It doesn't, <laughs> I'll take it up with our people. Yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't feel particularly like the main drive is, is the, the profit on the broadsheet and right. the, on the spreadsheet right. here. Right. And yet music is huge, multi-billion dollar industry. Well, people get involved for different reasons, don't they? Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about Entertainment and the arts, broadly defined, attracts lots of different people for lots of different reasons. So there's that. That seems pretty straightforward. But do you qualify a music's value? And I, I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you. Do, do you give music a value in the amount of people that enjoy it or the amount of dollars it can raise? Does that, does that affect how good a, a piece of music is? I think it's a measure of where that work will kind of land in the stratosphere, yes. Uh, is it... Is it, well, good and bad? This is tricky business, isn't it? Because I might find enormous satisfaction from an artist's work or recording or whatever it was that very few people ever encountered. And that's for me. And I, it's great. This has nothing to do with remuneration. It's just all about a connection to an individual, in this case, me or you. You must have records that your friends and family don't care for. But it's, it's yeah, important it's to you. A lot of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's also that. it's 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 in a, a period of time. Music also was that Basquiat quote. He said the art is how we decorate space. Music is how we decorate time. Yeah, right. And I think for me, I think for a lot of people, I suspect for you too, the music contain it's time travel. If I listen to, you know, the Damned playing neat neat neat, I'm 16 years old. 
Yeah. You know, and I can go, I can time travel like that. Does that, do you use it for that? Actually, that's a, it's a really interesting area because probably, who knows, dare I say, most people can hitch musical experiences or the records to moments in their life. As you say, you suddenly flash back to 16 years old, I'm in school or first date or what, these sorts of milestones in your life are inevitably hitched to something you heard or music that you have in your collection or something like that. But I actually am really totally deficient in this area. Uh, it's unusual, I think. But Yeah, I think that is yeah, unusual I, for, just, some, for someone who's so involved in it. That, just, that seems odd to me. There are moments that through the mile markers in life where, yeah, I remember that record was happening when such and such happened, but not so much. And well, I, give me one. Give me one in your life. Uh, give, me a, give me a moment in your life, if you can, where you think you associate a piece of music with either great happiness or great sadness or a great turning point in your life or something. Something that, that brings you to that moment. Can you do it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I was thinking the other day about perhaps one of the greatest, if not the greatest live concert I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. myself was fishbone in philadelphia at a small-ish club that must have been i'm gonna guess here 1987 1988 1989 somewhere late 80s all right and it was just one of these nights where well by the end of the night i found that I, my shirt was off i don't really know where anything was how did this happen i was just overcome in if you've ever seen Fishbone live, I've then, never seen Fishbone. Then you probably had a similar experience, but suddenly you're you're half naked. I don't know how this happened. I, I had way too many experiences where suddenly I was half naked, and and not enough of them involved Fishbone or indeed music. Imagine if that had all come together for you at that right <laughs> moment; things would be different. <laughs> but that was really I, I share that one because it was really a transportative, transformational hour. In what way? What did it do to you? Where, where, did, where did you start from and where did it, it was, lead you? What was the fork in the road? Uh, two, two things come to mind. It was an overwhelmingly physical, fun experience of elation, pure joy, where the, the band, the music, the songs, the energy, the rapport was all in a way, it was of a piece where like, man, I'm in the middle of, if you've seen that, it's like a three-ring circus when they're playing. It's just, it's mayhem, but controlled, beautiful, fun incredible and it suddenly you're levitating I, i'm in this experience and years later this is like part two of that question i was sharing this with somebody like the greatest show i ever saw yeah fishbone and this friend musician friend said i was there too you know, 30 years later he says i was there too now there's a shared experience camaraderie i didn't know him at the time and nor did i know he was in the room of course but mm-hmm. now i have this connection to another person who experienced what i experienced his joy in that room, I'm sure, was equal or greater than, than mine. And we talked about that for a long time. It was really interesting to go find someone way down the road. Like, you were there too. I think that but that's uh, that's interesting to me because I think the, the more we talk about it and the more I hear you talk about it as we distill it down, it's really about human connection. It's really yeah. about the unspeakable or the non-lyrical language of, of music. Well, here is, I think, where music is totally different than the other art forms. Okay, exception of poetry, theater, comedy. It's a, it's, I think they're all forms of music, aren't they? They're forms of music. Well, you tell me. I yeah. was just going to say, they're all... In music, you're managing the illusion of time. You are living in an ephemeral 
world, when the music stops, it's silence, and you're living in sound. And sound is vibration, which is physical. And so something is happening to your body. Of course, this is obvious with very loud, rhythmic music, rock and roll, dance music, R&B. It's also true for quiet music that doesn't seem to be doing much, long duration. The music of Morton Feldman, for example, Avon Lucia, we talked about that earlier, or the Jerome music of Sun, Lamont Young, and others. It doesn't seem like much is going on, but vibration is happening. And I really... And it's mood-altering. It's a, it yes. is a mood-altering situation. Like yes. Sun, which is a, a, a musical outfit that I've started to get into recently, and I, we were talking about it, and I was saying, I don't know if I listened to it correctly, because I haven't seen the band perform live, but I listen to drone metal quietly and use it as an ambient sound, right. which I don't know right. if that's acceptable to the musician, but it's how I enjoy you it. You come to it, I suppose you, we all approach music however we come to it. And I'm sure, I, I don't know about the guys in Sun, but I imagine it would say, that's fine. You take, take what we have to offer and enjoy it for, as you wish. But there's something physical about all of this activity in music that I believe that the body begins to react much quicker than your mind does. So things are happening to you before you've had a chance to sort of puzzle out what's going on here. And this is different than standing in front of a picture, I think. It's also a communal aspect to this too. Really, well, now you're talking about live music though. Live yeah. music. So I think there's, there's two things going on simultaneously to me, which is I'm having this personal, very solitary, singular experience with the sound that the artist is giving to me. I use the word sound in this case, not song or composition or whatever, but okay. vibration. But there's also a room full of people and they're having this experience too. So we're all in this together with the live experience. Or even if you're in a room with your buddies listening to a record, it's a shared experience. So I still don't think I do that anymore. I think a lot of the time music is solitary now. It's headphones yeah. and earbuds yeah. Why? and stuff. I, I don't know. I think it's the availability, isn't it? Isn't it the, the maybe it's too available? Do you find, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Do you find that with this, the, the ultimate availability of all sound, courtesy of your phone and the internet and all the rest, that your interest or passions for music and performance has changed more or less? Are you going for more, going for less? Do you think about it differently now? I think that, I, I think I've, it did. And I think what happened is, as I've circled back around, very recently I, I invested in a, a proper piece of hi-fi equipment with a deck that would play vinyl through speakers into my room and out loud. And I, my 12-year-old son, who had never heard vinyl played before, I said, come here, I want to I show you something. He's a, he is a musician. And he sat in my lap and I put on a, a Glaswegian electronic band called Mogwai, who are, who are fabulous. Yes. And... I played it at a decent volume and I let him hear it and he lit up. Now he's, he's, this is a kid that was listening to, he wouldn't ever listen to children's music when he was a toddler. He was like, no, 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 dad, it's Iggy or boy or, you know, and he would, he, that was his thing. And his mother got him into it very early. But he looked at me as it was coming through the vinyl and the speakers and he got kind of flushed and he went, what is this? Yeah. And I said, this is vinyl. And he said, I feel I've been robbed. <laughs> Smart kid. And I said, you have. And he's gotten very into it, and he and his friends have gotten very into it. So I think there is a, the availability is great, but I think that something is always lost when the neighborhood is gentrified. And I think that, that that's happened a little bit with 
with the digitization of music. Yeah, you're right about this. I don't, when you tell me the story about your 12-year-old, I immediately think part of his reaction is the physicality of you're hearing right. your right. excellent, undoubtedly excellent hi-fi system with your ratty old damned record going on to the turntable or whatever it was. And now you're in a room here experiencing yeah. sound and it, and it hits your body and it is and very he different. Himself like, very What's different. happening to me? There's, or words to this effect, you know, yeah. different than your little white uh, earbud that gives you information, but maybe not a lot of good sound. Well, what what I did as well is when I started putting on albums, which I've been hearing digitally for years, and then go back and hear. I don't know why I couldn't hear that yeah. stuff, but I you, there are instruments that had disappeared yeah. into the digital process and. Uh, I love records also, albums, LPs, but I love CDs and digital music in the right moment. For example, we, I mentioned Morton Feldman, the great American composer from the mid-century who wrote music of great duration, very quiet. It was in the scores, like three or four Ps, very, very, very quiet, which didn't profit from being on LP because there'd be long gaps of silence between notes, which would inevitably pop and... So in some ways, I felt that the CD was invented for music of Morton Feldman because when you, the score calls for silence, you get silence. And that is equally powerful, isn't it? To hearing and indulging and enjoying music is concentrated listening. I'm making some assumptions here that when we're listening to music, we're actually listening. It's not... I, other times I, think, I think you concentrate and listen to music. I don't think everyone does that. People do at different times. They're sure, sometimes I'm vacuuming and mm -hmm. you know, the Stones records on or whatever, but you're not concentrating you've got music in the room but mm. when you're listening deep listening listening deeply and concentrating everything is becomes vivid because you're 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 focused you really focus your listening this so was, music music let, let me then yeah. just wrap this up music still brings you joy even although you are within it even though you are surrounded by it, even though you are procuring it for other people it still works it's a search isn't it a, I, I feel it's an endless search for where can i find that experience again maybe it's the next fishbone concert <laughs> are you still looking for the next Wouldn't there fishbone be a great concert next fishbone concert yes please guys come back there i'm always we're always aren't we always looking for something that's uh an experience in the room that levitates us through sound or through other media but in my case, du temps perdu. never ends i know yeah all right we gotta go Okay, thank you for having me here at this table. It was, in fact, a joy. <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.